As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best and economics, finance, investment, and international relations, find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. He is one of the most interesting politicians across all of America, and certainly his Democrat Party. He's a 29th United States Secretary of Labor and always and forever will be the former mayor of Boston. Marty Walsh will serve President Biden as they go to Election Day. And as we do on Jobs Day, a conversation, John Farrow with Marty Walsh. Let's listen in. From New York, I'm pleased to say that joining us now is U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh on TV and on radio. He joins us from Washington. Marty, fantastic to have you with us on the program, sir. First on this show to respond to this payrolls report. The big question for many of us right now, Secretary Walsh, is how much you think this labor market needs to call to help get inflation lower? Well, I, I think that I think what we're seeing here is we obviously saw good gains this month, low unemployment, and that's really strong. I think what we're starting to see now is us transition to a slow and steady economy as we move forward here. I mean, we're seeing uh, there's still jobs available out there. Uh, we're seeing uh, the wages have gone up a little bit, a little less than last month. Uh, and we're start, but we are seeing gains in those, in those sectors that still are hiring people that need people to work in them. The question many people are asking is whether higher unemployment is a price worth paying to get inflation down. Secretary Walsh, you and I have talked about that. That question has taken on renewed importance this week after some of your Democratic colleagues down in D.C. have sent a letter to Chairman Powell. Do you think higher unemployment is a price worth paying to get inflation lower? Certainly, I don't want to see high unemployment because I think too many people in this country need to go to work. Uh, the, the seeing opportunities where, where workers across the board average of uh, higher wages right now for 4.7 percent. I think this month uh, the wages are at uh, in the hospitality industry they are higher. Uh, I, I think there's an opportunity for us to bring inflation down uh, and as well as having employment going on in the country. We're living in a very, and I've said this many, many times now, but in a very different economic times. And I certainly don't want to see our unemployment rate go high. 3.7 percent. We've been averaging between 3.5 and 3.7 percent over the last, I think, pretty much the last year. And, and that's a good place to be. What's the mechanism for that to happen? As far as, excuse me, what? To get inflation down without unemployment going up. Well, I think, you know, the, the Fed has, has raised rates. We're seeing a little bit of a little bit of steadiness now, a little bit of cooling off. Uh, we're also seeing opportunities, as I mentioned, we're seeing uh, we're starting to see signs of a slow and steady economy. I think we're getting back to uh, pre-pandemic where we were. We're not going to continue to see these gains of hundreds of thousands of jobs every month uh, in our economy because eventually, you know, we're going to run out of people to fill those jobs. Uh, we're seeing the supply chain. You, I, heard, I didn't see the, hear your whole segment right before this, but as China opens up, we're going to start to see more supplies coming 
swimming across the, the ocean. We're seeing pressure on gas prices coming down a bit. We need to continue to stay focused on, on, our, on our gas prices, our natural gas. We need to continue to, to bring costs down at the kitchen table every, every possible way we can. Uh, and we just got to continue to do it month over month. There's not just one quick fix to it, as you know, and you, know, sure. you guys talk about it all day long. There's lots of different things that have to happen here. Well, the Federal Reserve's talking about causing pain. Chairman Powell talked about that in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He said, well, higher interest rates and slower growth and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation. They will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. Secretary Walsh, what would you say to those that may say to you that you're not being upfront about the pain that we need to go through to get inflation down? Well, I could say this. People went through a lot of pain in this country in the last two and a half years with the pandemic. People lost their job. People were concerned about what the future is. And we're living in a very interesting time coming out of a pandemic. Uh, and, and I think that people are feeling pain. They're feeling pain at the kitchen table. And we have to do everything we can uh, as an administration. The president's passed legislation, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that long term will help us bring down inflationary pressures. Uh, we're working on supply chain issues to bring down inflationary pressures. Uh, the Fed uh, are doing what they have to do to bring down pressure and we have to continue to, to, to work as an all-government approach, if you will, uh, and, and do everything we can to bring those pressures down at the kitchen table. I think by having, having unemployment rates around 7 8%, that, that's a lot, a lot of unnecessary pain that people in America don't need right now. And working, people that are working won't need that pain either. Do you concede it has to go higher, though? Uh, no, I'm not there yet. I, I'm, I'm one of the people that, that hold out saying that we'd, I, I would like to see the unemployment rate continue to, to stay where we are, even go lower if we can, uh, and, and work other ways through this inflationary pressures that people are feeling. I've got to put you on the spot there, Secretary Walsh. How does unemployment go lower and inflation comes down too? How do you think that happens over the next 12 well, months? I I think that people are trying to uh, compare this economy to what we've had in previous economies. We've heard people talk about on, on shows all across America and people in boardrooms talking about recessions and comparing this time, moment in time, to past times where we had recessions. It's very different. It's a very different period of time. And we've never seen uh, inflation at such a high rate and unemployment at such a low rate in the history of our country. So we have to just continue to do everything we can, use all the, all the, all the tools, all the mechanisms we have to bring those costs down. Uh, a lot, some of this was due caused because of a pandemic, because of supply chain issues in the very beginning. Part of this is because of gas prices. You know, this is a worldwide crisis that, that people are feeling with inflation and, yeah. and, and, and things that we're doing here in the United States. We are bringing, you know, we, I think we're being a little more successful here in the United States and other parts of the world. You talked about the mechanism. Forgive me for calling that a lot of word salad because it felt that way on my side of it, listening to it, Secretary Walsh. You talked about the mechanism for this to happen. Yes, unemployment is very low and inflation is very high. And that's why most people assume that unemployment will have to go up for inflation to come down. You still haven't really told me how you think that's no, going to happen. Because, what are you doing not, to make that happen? I understand that's the, the world you want. That's not the world we yeah. have. How's that going to work? I, I'm, not, I'm not an economist, number one. Uh, and I think that it has to be very clear. And number two, when you think about where we are at this moment in time, uh, what, what I'm going to do as my job as Secretary of Labor is doing I can is to make sure that Americans have opportunities to get to good paying jobs, whether it's to workforce development, apprentice programs, working with states and cities all across America. That's my role and responsibility right now. My role and responsibility when it comes to inflation was making sure the supply chains are moving forward, making sure we didn't have 700 ships off the coast of California and Seattle and Portland and, 
and the West Coast where we did have it, making sure that those, those goods and services came into our country, making sure that we don't have disruption in our supply chain, whether it's through negotiations on ports or negotiations on rails. Those are things that I'm focused on right now, forward-looking to make sure that we're doing everything we can, that we don't add to the inflationary pressures that people are feeling in America. Other folks are working, Secretary Yellen, Secretary Mundo, and the, the chairman, Chairman Powell, all those folks are also yeah. working collectively on making sure of bringing down inflationary pressures. You've been part of the negotiations with the rail unions. You mentioned that just there. Why haven't yeah. they signed the agreement? Uh, we have six of the 12 agreed upon. We have four contracts still out, and we have two contracts that were voted down by the members uh, that we're currently, uh, I'm encouraging both sides, the, the rail and the companies, to stay at the table and get another opportunity to get another vote on uh, before we hit our deadline in uh, November and December. Are you actively involved in the negotiation again? I'm not actively involved in, per se, the negotiation as far as what's, what's in and out of the contract, but I'm very active in making sure and talking to, uh, I talk to the, the representatives of the companies on a daily basis, and I talk to union, different unions almost on a daily basis as well uh, to make sure, particularly the two unions that, that didn't ratify the contract. Uh, six unions have ratified. There's another one going to come in the next couple of days, and then we'll have three left out there. So hopefully by, by, hopefully by this time next week, we will have many of these contracts ratified, and we, we're down to the last two. Hope. What if we yeah, don't get that? What preparations have you done just in case this falls apart? Well, there's a process that goes in place. And the worst case scenario, I'll play worst case scenario for a minute. Uh, if we don't get to an agreement, uh, Congress will have to take action. And that is uh, the, by design in the, in the Railway Act. Uh, you know, the president has the ability, authority to put together an emergency board, which he did. Uh, they came back with recommendations. The unions have to ratify. There's 12 different unions. And if the unions uh, don't ratify, if it depend, we have two right now not ratified. Uh, Congress is the last stop uh, that would have to take action. Secretary Walsh, thank you, sir for your time again today. We appreciate it. The Labour Secretary there, Marty Walsh. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more, Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Tiffany Wilding. Uh, with us with PIMCO. Uh, Tiffany, I want to go back to block and tackle here, which is you've got to figure out real GDP, inflation, and nominal GDP, the animal spirit, current economy, economic growth, et cetera. And I don't even know, not to be rude, how far out you should go. Can you get out to like the end of second quarter 2023 Dare I say, Tiffany, can you go out to the end of next year? Dare I say you can be like Governor Bailey in England and call for a two-year recession? I fell off my chair, Tiffany, when I saw that. How far out can you guesstimate real GDP? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're picking up on a really important point here. It's just there's a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, and, and we do try to model these things, right? But models aren't perfect. They're stylized. And, you know, you have to understand that it's never going to capture everything. And I think there is a lot of uncertainty. I thought that to your point on um, the Bank of England projections, I don't think that we've ever seen a, a two-year, a recession lasting two years. So those are quite dramatic, um, you know, quite dramatic uh, forecasts that they, that they came out. But, of course, they're also um, – using market pricing um, in order to, um, you know, to help bake that forecast. So, you know, I think, I think overall, you know, we are focused on um, how the data uh, looks and the economic momentum that we're seeing. You know, we do think the U.S. economy and others across the developed markets will slip into recessions, uh, you know, going in, you know, to the first quarter, you know, the last into the second. Um, and, and the reason for that is, is that you were already seeing, uh, you know, what we call final domestic demand, but just real demand in the economy, growth in that, that was already slowing this year. So last year was about 5% on a real basis. This year it was less than 1%. And on top of that, we've seen you know, pretty dramatic negative shocks to the economy. <laughs> Obviously, what the Fed has done with raising interest rates, broader financial conditions, you know, but also you have this, you know, war in Ukraine, which has been basically a global energy supply shock. So the combination of those two things, you know, in, in our minds will probably, you know, th- what was already kind of a weaker economy in the U.S. will 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 push it uh, into a recession, uh, you know, in the first part of next year. Tiffany Tom is talking about perhaps a, a two-year rise in. Let's go even longer than that. Is it fair for the Federal Reserve to shoot for a 2% long-term inflation target when you are seeing a wage price spiral in the works? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that we are, I wouldn't maybe be as strong as to say a wage price spiral in the works, but I think that there is evidence, certainly, um, when you look at, at various things, that there's a very high risk of that happening. And the Fed definitely needs to, you know, to, to rein that in as best as it can using very blunt tools. And when I say evidence of that happening, obviously, you're seeing it in the wage data. Um, you know, Marty Walsh also mentioned the negotiations that are happening, uh, you know, with the, the rail unions. You clearly have more bar- Bargaining power by employ, um, you know, by workers, you know, as a result of just the, the broader, um, you know, the tightness of the labor market, you know. But you yeah. know, the other thing is, is that you know, it's all, it's, it's also all about how much um, are companies able to defend their margins. That's the other key piece of a wage price spiral, you know. And, and I would say there, it's not great news either because it does look right. like you're getting some uh, companies that are able to, to defend their margins. So there is evidence of it, um, you know. But the Fed is doing yeah. something about it. Tiffany, we're in an extraordinary week, and and particularly coming from that bizarre Fed meeting and press conference, in an extraordinary year, into an election. And folks will be, surveillance will be uh, in Washington uh, Tuesday and Wednesday mornings uh, for the election, along with David Weston's wonderful work, Election Night. And Tiffany Wilding, the, the great thrust I get from all the fan mail, emails, tweets, whatever, is the divide. I mean, someone like you is down at Nobu Newport Beach with Bob De Niro, and you're having some fancy Japanese meal, you know. And the rest of America, that's the perception, Tiffany, that it's the West Coast and the East Coast booming, and everybody else is flat on their back. How polarized is the American labor economy now? Yeah, I mean, well, they're clearly, you know, they're obviously clearly big political divides, um, you know, and that polarization is, is not a new thing. Um, you know, that's Agreed. been happening over the, you know, over a number of decades, you know, obviously, 
you know, I think in terms of, you know, how it impacts our outlook, you know, that's what I, I mean, I'm not a political, um, I'm not a political analyst. Oh, you can but, be, uh, you got 30 seconds, continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a political analyst, but I do think that, um, you know, in terms of our outlook and how growth evolves, I think the big takeaway um, from the likely midterm elections is that you're probably going to have a divided government and you're not going to get a lot done. You're not going to see fiscal stimulus. So even though we're calling for a recession, there's not going to be the usual response, you know, from the Fed or from the government, you know, to help. Uh, and so yeah. and so that's going to result in not only a, a recession, but probably when the economy comes out of recession, it's going to come to some sluggish yeah. growth uh, level that's really not that great either until inflation yeah. comes down. Tiffany, next time you're at Noble, you got to try the white fish sashimi with dry miso. It is just to die for, you know, in Newport. I hear silence in Newport <laughs> okay. Beach. She doesn't know what to do with that, Tom. <laughs> Tiffany Wilding, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Randall Crosser knows these are abrupt moves. He mentioned that earlier. He is at the Booth School, the former Fed uh, governor as well. Randy, you are a student of economic history. Let's say we get a terminal rate of 5.x percent. Let's say we go back to CD rates of a, of a time 20, 30, 40 years ago. Is it the same this time? Are we reverting back to a financial structure that we know, or are we in new territory? I don't think we're going to be going back to uh, interest rates at double-digit levels, which is where uh, where we were with uh, when uh, inflation was this high 40 years ago. So uh, I don't think the Fed is going to need to go that high. But I think, as you can see, with the two-year moving up, the markets are saying, hey, this is a pretty strong employment report. We're not seeing cracks in the labor market yet. And so the Fed is going to have to continue on its path. And we'll, right. um, its terminal rate will be a bit higher than we thought. What do corporations do? How do they adapt as we see the nominal yield and the real yield come up? So that's you know one of the things that um, the Fed's toolbox is to try to make financial conditions tighter, make it less uh, attractive for firms to hire and less attractive to uh, to invest as hurdle rates go up because uh, both uh, real and nominal rates would be uh, would be going up, and uh, that's their main tool for trying to slow the economy down and try to uh, take some of the. Uh, uh, the excitement out of demand, and uh, and so supply and demand can come together uh, without as much price pressure. I said, let it breathe, and we have done for a couple of minutes. And equities have raised the losses post payroll. So the S and P five hundred is back up higher by eight tenths of one percent. That move at the front end has faded back to basically where it was going into the print at four seventy six. Yields higher by four basis points or so. I don't think this is the game changer at all for anyone out there. And by the time we get to CPI on November 10th next week, we won't even be talking about what's just happened here in the labour market, Tom. We're still waiting to see real cracks in that well, labour market to get a better understanding that the dual mandate of the Federal Reserve is in conflict. And right now for the Fed, it's not. I'm going to have this conversation with Rick Reader over at BlackRock in just a moment. Anastasia Amoroso of iCapital, Mike Collins <clears> of PGM. And we will catch up with Secretary Marky, Marty Walsh, Tom, of the uh, Labour Department. 
at this administration. Looking forward to that a little bit later in the next hour. Very good. We'll continue with futures up 30. Uh, the, VIX, uh, the VIX comes in 24.98, Lisa, gets my attention of a, a more buoyant market. Yeah, and also the Fed funds rate was now uh, pricing in a peak of perhaps 5.25% in June of next year, although that's fading a little bit as right. we start to go on. Randy Krosner, I'm looking at some of the details here, and this is actually a very confusing report to me. The unemployment rate now getting people's attention, perhaps, but the wage picture very confusing to me as well. What can you glean from the composition of jobs that perhaps are getting added or cut and how that might be affecting the wage dynamic more uh, than per se an entire inflation picture that the Fed can take away? Sure. There's always one of the issues that you have to be careful about is exactly what you're pointing out, the so-called composition effect. What uh, what areas are seeing job increases more than others? Are those in general high wage or low wage low wage areas? I haven't had a chance to dig into the details of the report, but that's obviously something one needs to look at. The Fed will be heartened that the uh, that we're not seeing an, an, an acceleration in the um, uh, in the wage uh, in wage growth that it's still around four point seven percent where it had been. But it is hoping that 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 is not going to 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 rise, and it's hoping that it may come down a bit as they try to bring inflation down. You know, I, I look at this, Mike McKee. I want you to jump in here, uh, if if you would, right now. You, I'm watching Mike, folks. Look at the real report, which is 10, 20, 30 pages long. Give it another number there for us and Professor Krosner. What matters to you? Well, unemployment is what's uh, been the interesting number today because it went up, and it's largely because of uh, what we in the past would have said is bad news, but uh, this time it is kind of what the Fed wants to see. In the household survey, the number of people employed falls by 328,000, while the number of people unemployed rises by 306,000. So a real difference between that and the establishment survey, which is not unusual, but it does tell you why the unemployment rate went up. We also had uh, 22,000 people leave the labor force after 57,000 left the labor force uh, the month prior. And so it's kind of interesting. It may be because kids have gone back to school and mothers have decided to stay home or something like that. But uh, we're not seeing people drawn back in by the fact that there's so many jobs available. Well, and Randy, that's where I wanted to really finish up here uh, and just get your impression of why the participation rate is going down, why it is moving in the opposite direction, despite the wage gains and despite the, ta- the, uh, the job openings that we see in the JOLT survey. This is one of the great frustrations that the Fed has, and Jay Powell has been talking about this for a long time, of trying to get, you know, why aren't we seeing more people come back into the labor market? And uh, I think it's it's a variety of factors. Um, there are many of the uh, the older workers and more experienced workers are saying, hey, I know a lot of people who didn't make it through Corona. I want to make sure to have time with my kids, my uh, my grandkids. So you've seen a, a much lower labor force participation by older workers, and a lot of younger workers are saying, you know, unless I can get a job where I can sit at home and um, uh, kind of pick the hours that I want, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother to come in. And so um, it's and, and despite all of these openings, it's not enough so far to be able to draw people in. Part of that is because even though wages have been growing f- nominally faster than they have in the past, the real wages, the inflation adjusted wages haven't been growing that strongly. Uh, Randy Crosser, thank you so much for joining us. It's just a joy to have you with us on Jobs Day. He is at Booth School London and now back at Chicago um, as well. 
Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Right now we go to Jeff Rosenberg, who was just wonderful on Fed Day, giving us the dynamics of a dynamic press conference as well. Maybe, Jeff, uh, with BlackRock, maybe not as exciting as that press conference, but nevertheless, a job report of a fully employed America. From where you and your team sit, is this jobs report old news, present news, or indicate a buoyant future? Yeah, great, great question, Tom. You know, I think it, it validates what we think we know about this labor market. And that is, is that it is very, very slowly starting to show some effects of an economic slowdown of the Fed's tightening. But go back to our conversation on the post-Fed day. It's all about the long and variable lags here. And so we're seeing, you know, just the glimmers of what the Fed hopes to see in terms of the impact of their tightening this year, but it's it's going to take some time and 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 going back to what Lisa ended with Randy on, you know, the the most salient point I think here and Powell mentioned it in the press conference mm-hmm is the lack of labor force participation responding to this historic levels of openings. That's a huge disappointment. That's a problem because the economy is not responding to the Fed's tightening. And so they've got a lot more work to do. They're going to slow that pace, fine, but we really are not seeing the economic slowdown that's necessary for the Fed to get to that inflation slowdown. So this is a real yeah. challenge for the Fed and for the market. Jeff, since you walked up to your TV set at BlackRock, and we say good morning on Bloomberg Radio as well, the two-year yield gave us a rounded up 4.76%. How does a grizzled pro like you adapt to yield, nominal yield real, moving so fast and furious? Yeah, you know, you, you take what the market gives you, and, and in this market, it's been a dramatic increase and restoration of yield for safe assets. You think back to the zero interest rate policy environment, the negative interest rate policy environment, that gave us Tina. There is no alternative. Now there is an alternative. And so it's adjusting to where the opportunities are. The opportunities are in the very front end of the yield curve, uh, where we're pricing in, as Lisa talked about a minute ago, you know, five, 5.25% peak Fed funds rate. Whether or not that turns out to the be the peak depends on inflation, but the Fed signaled earlier this week to expect an increase in that terminal rate. The market's already there, so it, there's not a huge surprise when we get to the SCP. There may be more of a surprise on the inflation next week, but there's a lot of opportunity there because we've done a tremendous amount of work pricing in 
the normalization, the tightening, the movement to restrictive policy that the Fed wants to be at and are getting much closer to being at. Do you think that the balance of likely outcomes, Jeff, is more likely that we're going to see a higher than five and a quarter percent Fed funds rate versus one that is below that in terms of where we end up at the peak? You know, Lisa, it's it's very tough to make that call because it's dependent on the inflation call. And what do we know so far about the inflation call? Everybody's gotten it wrong. Every time we get a surprise to the upside to the CPI, what happens to the inflation peak expectation and therefore the peak of the Fed funds expectation? We continually move it out. So very hard to see whether or not that's the peak. If the inflation forecasts finally show up, if we get that 0.3 in core CPI next week, you know, then I think five, five and a quarter will be the peak. But there is a possibility here, and you're seeing it a little bit in the data, the lack of a, the data today in, 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 in the payroll report, the lack of an expanding labor force, very strong wages, yeah. is the risk of this alternative view that we are already in a wage price spiral. And if that's the case, and the Fed may have to do actually much more than that five, five and a quarter that's currently priced in the market. What does that do to risk assets, Jeff? Well, I think it's a challenging environment for risk assets. We saw this in the in the in the post press conference equity market reaction that the Fed doesn't want to see financial conditions easing prematurely. They need financial conditions. Remember, the transmission mechanism is tighten financial conditions, then it affects the real economy, slows the real economy, <clears throat> and then the slowdown in the real economy slows down inflation. Right. If the equity market gets ahead of that and eases financial conditions before the economy has a time to slow down and slow down inflation, then <clears throat> the Fed has right. to do even more. And that's why he pushed so aggressively back against that, you know, oh, the market is up. What do you think about that? And then he gave you the, the, the greatest hawkish hits to push back down <clears throat> right. the market. So in that environment, it's going to be challenging for risk assets. Jeff, Ian Lingen just publishes at BMO Capital Markets, always wonderful on fixed income. And he makes clear that this report gives Chairman Powell room to wait. He can now comfortably wait for these inflation reports that we see before uh, the December meeting. Do you agree that it, it's not that it gives him degrees of freedom, but that this report gives him the room to really wait and analyze price change? Yeah, I, w I would agree that this report is not changing anything that we already have in the expectations for the Fed to begin a step down in the pace of the increases, but not necessarily um, ending that uh, pace of increase until they start to see the development in inflation of a slowdown. So they can slow the pace because they wanna incorporate the Brainerd perspective, long and variable lags, that important change to the statement that we got earlier this week. That's about the Fed acknowledging we don't want to go at 75 forever. We don't want to overdo it. We want to give time for the data to show up. And I think today's report is in line with that market expectation, doesn't really change it dramatically. Are we going to go back to an era that was familiar over the past decade or so, where we finally grind through whatever this post-pandemic reality is and inflation gets back down to around 2% or even below that, and then we struggle with the same types of uh, disinflationary forces? Or is is this a materially different decade coming up? Well, this is your, the, the premise of your question is, do we go back to the pre-COVID secular stagnation environment? And if you look at market consensus expectations for interest rates, for 
inflation rates, there is that expectation built into market consensus. We would be highly skeptical of that outcome. Uh, we got all frozen there on Jeffrey uh, Rosenberg. I guess we'll exit there. We're going to exit 30 seconds later and we'll do it now. Thank you for that in a frozenical moment with Jeffrey Rosenberg. Frozenical. It's a frozenical moment. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on The Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.